Chapter Nine of the Temptation of Saint Anthony by Gustave Flaubert, translated by Lafcadio Hearn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tony Addison. A considerable time elapses. Then a singular being appears, having the head of a man upon the body of a fish. He approaches through the air upright, beating the sand from time to time with his tail, and the patriarchal aspect of his face, by contrast with his puny little arms, causes Antony to laugh. Awanes, in a plaintive voice, Respect me. I am the contemporary of beginnings. I dwelt in that formless world where hermaphroditic creatures slumbered, under the weight of an opaque atmosphere, in the deeps of dark waters, when fingers, fins, and wings were blended, and eyes without heads were floating like mollusks among human-headed bulls and dog-footed serpents. Above the whole of these beings, Amoroka bent like a hoop, extended her woman body, but Belus cleft her in two halves. With one he made the earth, with the other heaven, and the two equal worlds do mutually contemplate each other. I, the first consciousness of chaos, arose from the abyss that I might harden matter and give a law unto forms. Also I taught men to fish and to sow. I gave them knowledge of writing and of the history of the gods. Since then I have dwelt in the deep pools left by the deluge, but the desert grows vaster about them, the winds cast sand into them, the sun devours them, and I die upon my couch of slime, gazing at the stars through the water, Thither I return. He leaps and disappears in the Nile. Hilarion. That is an ancient god of the Chaldeans. Antony, ironically. What, then, were those of Babylon? Hilarion. Thou canst behold them. And they find themselves upon the platform of a lofty quadrangular tower, dominating six other towers, which, narrowing as they rise, form one monstrous pyramid. Far below, a great black mass is visible, the city, doubtless, extending over the plains. The air is cold, the sky darkly bloom multitudes of stars palpitate above in the midst of the platform rises a column of white stone priests in linen robes pass and repass around it so as to describe by their evolutions a moving circle and with faces uplifted they gaze upon the stars Hilarion, 
pointing out several of these stars to Antony. There are thirty principal stars. Fifteen look upon the upper side of the earth, fifteen below. At regular intervals, one shoots from the upper regions to those below, while another abandons the inferior deeps to rise to sublime altitudes. Of the seven planets, two are beneficent, two evil, three ambiguous. All things in the world depend upon the influence of these eternal fires. According to their position or movement, presages may be drawn, and here thou dost tread the most venerable place upon earth. Here Pythagoras and Zoroaster have met. Here, for twelve thousand years, these men have observed the skies that they might better learn to know the gods. Antony the stars are not gods hilarion ay they say the stars are gods for all things about us pass away the heavens only remain immutable as eternity antony yet there is a master hilarion pointing to the column he belus the first ray the sun the male the other whom he fecundates is beneath him. Antony beholds a garden, illuminated by lamps. He finds himself in the midst of the crowd, in an avenue of cypress trees. To right and left are little pathways, leading to huts, constructed within a wood of pomegranate trees, and enclosed by trilogies of bamboo. Most of the men wear pointed caps, and garments bedizened like the plumage of a peacock. But there are also people from the north clad in bearskins, nomads wearing mantles of brown wool, pallid gangrides with long earrings, and there seems to be as much confusion of rank as there is confusion of nations. For sailors and stone-cutters elbow the princes who wear tiaras blazing with carbuncles and who carry long canes with carven knobs. All proceed upon their way with dilated nostrils, absorbed by the same desire. From time to time they draw aside to make way for some long-covered wagon drawn by oxen or some ass jolting upon his back a woman bundled up in thick veils who finally disappears in the direction of the cabins antony feels afraid he half resolves to turn back but an unutterable curiosity takes possession of him and draws him on at the foot of the cypress trees there are ranks of women squatting upon deerskins all wearing in lieu of diadem a plaited fillet of ropes some magnificently attired loudly call upon the passers-by others more timid seek to veil their faces with their arms while some matron standing behind them their mother doubtless 
exhorts them. Others, their heads veiled with a black shawl, and their bodies entirely nude, seem from afar off to be statues of flesh. As soon as a man has thrown some money upon their knees, they arise, and the sound of kisses is heard under the foliage, sometimes a great sharp cry. Hilarion. These are the virgins of Babylon, who prostitute themselves to the goddess. Antony. What goddess? Hilarion. Behold her. And he shows him, at the further end of the avenue, upon the threshold of an illuminated grotto, a block of stone representing a woman. Antony. Ignominy! How abominable to give a sex to God! Hilarion. Thou thyself dost figure him in thy mind as a living person. Antony again finds himself in darkness. He beholds in the air a luminous circle poised upon horizontal wings. This ring of light girdles like a loose belt the waist of a little man wearing a mitre upon his head and carrying a wreath in his hand. The lower part of his figure is completely concealed by immense feathers outspreading about him like a petticoat. It is Ormuzd, the god of the Persians. He hovers in the air above, crying aloud, I fear, I can see his monstrous jaws, I did vanquish thee, O Ahriman, but again thou dost war against me, first revolting against me, thou didst destroy the eldest of the creatures, Kaiomorts, the man-bull, then didst thou seduce the first human couple, Messia and Messiane, and thou didst fill all hearts with darkness, thou didst urge thy battalions against heaven. I also had mine own, the people of the stars, and from the height of my throne I contemplated the marshalling of the astral hosts. Mitra, my son, dwelt in heavens inaccessible, there he received souls, from thence did he send them forth, and he arose each morning to pour forth the abundance of his riches. The earth reflected the splendour of the firmament. Fire blazed upon the crests of the mountains, symbolising that other fire of which I had created all creatures. And that the holy flame might not be polluted, the bodies of the dead were not burned. The beaks of birds carried them aloft toward heaven. I gave to men the laws regulating pastures, labour, the choice of wood for the sacrifices, the form of cups, the words to be uttered in hours of sleeplessness, and my priests unceasingly offered up prayers, so that worship might be as the eternity of God in its endlessness. Men purified themselves with water, loaves, were offered upon the altars, sins were confessed aloud. Homer gave himself to men to be drank, that they might have his strength communicated to them. While the genii of heaven were combating the demons, the children of Iran were pursuing the serpents. The king, 
whom an innumerable host of courtiers served upon their knees represented me in his person and wore my coiffure his gardens had the magnificence of a heaven upon earth and his tomb represented him in the act of slaying a monster emblem of good destroying evil for it was destined that i should one day definitely conquer Ahriman by the aid of time without limits but the interval between us disappears the deep night rises to me ye amshashpams ye ezeds ye fairways succour me mithra cease thy sword and thou chaosayak who shall return for the universal deliverance defend me what none to aid ah oh, i die thou art the victor ariman hilarion standing behind antony restrains a cry of joy and almost is swallowed up in the darkness then appears the great diana of ephesus black with enamelled eyes her elbows pressed to her side her forearms extended with hands open lions crawl upon her shoulders fruits flowers and stars intercross upon her bosom further down three rows of breasts appear and from her belly to her feet she is covered with a tightly fitting sheet from which bulls stags griffins and bees seem about to spring their bodies half protruding from it she is illuminated by the white light emanating from a disk of silver round as the full moon placed behind her head where is my temple where are my amazons what is this i feel i the incorruptible a strange faintness comes upon me her flowers wither her overripe fruits become detached and fall the lions and the bulls hang their heads the deer foam at the mouth with a slimy foam as though exhausted the buzzing bees die upon the ground she presses her breasts one after the other all are empty but under a desperate effort her sheath bursts she seizes it by the bottom like the skirt of a robe throws her animals her fruits her flowers into it then withdraws into the darkness and afar off there are voices murmuring growling roaring bellowing belling the density of the night is augmented by breaths drops of warm rain fall antony how sweet the odour of the palm trees the trembling of leaves the transparency of springs i feel the desire to lie flat upon the earth that i might feel her against my heart and my life would be reinvigorated by her eternal youth he hears the sound of castanets and of cymbals and men appear clad in white tunics with red stripes leading through the midst of a rustic crowd an ass richly harnessed 
its tail decorated with knots of ribbons, and its hoofs painted. A box, covered with a saddle-cloth of yellow material, shakes to and fro upon its back, between two baskets. One receives the offerings contributed, eggs, grapes, pears, cheeses, fowls, little coins, and the other basket is full of roses, which the leaders of the ass pluck to pieces as they walk before the animal, shedding the leaves upon the ground. They wear earrings and large mantles. Their locks are plaited, their cheeks painted, olive wreaths are fastened upon their foreheads by medallions bearing figurines. All wear poniards in their belts, and brandish ebony-handled whips, having three thongs to which oscillates are attached. Those who form the rear of the procession place upon the soil, so as to remain upright as a candelabrum, a tall pine which burns at its summit and shades under its lower branches a lamb. The ass halts, the saddle-cloth is removed, underneath appears a second covering of black felt, then one of the men in white tunics begins to dance, rattling his cortali, another kneeling before the box, beats a tambourine, and the oldest of the band begins. Here is the good goddess, the Idaean of the mountains, the great mother of Syria. Come ye hither, good people all. She gives joy to men, she heals the sick, she sends inheritances, she satisfies the hunger of love. We bear her through the land, rain or shine, in fair weather or in foul. Of times we lie in the open air, and our table is not always well served. Robbers dwell in the woods, wild beasts rush from their caverns, slippery paths border the precipices. Behold her! Behold her! They lift off the covering, and a box is seen, inlaid with little pebbles. Loftier than the cedars, she looks down from the blue ether. Vaster than the wind, she encircles the world. Her breath is exhaled by the nostrils of tigers. The rumbling of her voice is heard beneath the volcanoes. Her wrath is the tempest. The pallor of her face has whitened the moon. She ripens the harvest. By her the tree bark swells with sap. She makes the beard to grow. Give her something, for she hates the avaricious. The box opens and under a little pavilion of blue silk appears a small image of Sibeli, glittering with spangles, crowned with towers, and seated in a chariot of red stone, drawn by two lions with uplifted paws. The crowd presses forward to see. The Archigallus continues, she loves the sound of resounding tympanums, the echo of dancing feet, the howling of wolves, the sonorous mountains and the deep gorges, the flower of the almond tree, the pomegranate and the green fig, the whirling dance, the snoring flute, the sugary sap, 
the salty tear blood to thee to thee mother of the mountains they scourge themselves with their whips and their chests resound with the blows the skins of the tambourines vibrate almost to bursting they seize their knives they gash their arms she is sorrowful let us be sorrowful thereby your sins will be remitted blood purifies all fling its red drops abroad like blossoms she the great mother demands the blood of another creature of a pure being the archigallus raises his knife above the head of a lamb antony seized with horror do not slay the lamb there is a gush of purple blood the priest sprinkles the crowd with it and all including antony and hilarion standing around the burning tree silently watch the last palpitations of the victim a woman comes forth from the midst of the priests she resembles exactly the image within the little box she pauses perceiving before her a young man wearing a phrygian cap his thighs are covered with a pair of narrow trousers with lozenge-shaped openings here and there at regular intervals closed by bow-knots of coloured material he stands in an attitude of languor resting his elbow against a branch of the tree holding a flute in his hand Sibeli, flinging her arms about his waist i have traversed all regions of the earth to join thee and famine ravaged the field thou hast deceived me it matters not i love thee warm my body in thine embrace let us be united atis the springtime will never again return o eternal mother despite my love it is no longer possible for me to penetrate thy essence would that i might cover myself with a painted robe like thine i envy thy breasts swelling with milk the length of thy tresses thy vast flanks that are born and brought forth all creatures why am i not thou why am i not a woman no never depart from me my virility fills me with horror with a sharp stone he dismembers himself and runs furiously from her the priests imitate the god the faithful do even as the priests men and women exchange garments embrace and the tumult of bleeding flesh passes away while the sound of voices remaining becomes even more strident like the shrieking of mourners like the voices heard at funerals a huge catafalque hung with purple supports upon its summit an ebony bed surrounded by torches and baskets of silver filigree in which are verdant leaves of lettuce mallow and fennel upon the steps of the construction from summit to base sit women all clad in black with loosened girdles and bare feet holding in their hands with a melancholy air great bouquets of flowers at each corner of the estrade urns of alabaster filled with myrrh slowly sent up their smoke upon the bed can be perceived the corpse of a man blood flows from his thigh one of his arms hangs down lifelessly and a dog licks his fingernails and howls 
the row of torches placed closely together prevents his face from being seen and antony feels a strange anguish within him he fears lest he should recognize someone the sobs of the women cease and after an interval of silence all psalmody together fair fair oh fair he is thou hast slept enough lift thy head arise inhale the perfume of our flowers narcissus blossoms and anemones gathered in thine own gardens to please thee arouse thee thou dost make a spear for thee speak to us what dost thou desire wilt thou drink wine wilt thou lie in our beds dost wish to eat the honey-cakes which have the form of little birds let us press his lips kiss his breast now now dost thou not feel our ring-laden fingers passing over thy body and our lips that seek thy mouth and our tresses that sweep thy thighs o faint god deaf to our prayers they cry aloud and run their faces with their nails then all rush and the howling of the dog continues in the silence alas alas woe the black blood trickles over his snowy flesh see his knees rise his sides sink in the bloom of his face hath dampened the purple he is dead dead oh weep for him lament for him in long procession they ascend to lay between the torches the offerings of their several tresses that seem from afar off like serpents black or blonde and the catafalque is lowered gently to the level of a grotto the opening of a shadowy sepulchre that yawns behind it then a woman bends over the corpse her long hair uncut envelops her from head to feet she sheds tears so abundantly that her grief cannot be as that of the others but more than any man's infinite antony dreams of the mother of jesus she speaks thou didst emerge from the orient and didst take me all trembling with the dew into thy arms o son doves fluttered upon the azure of thy mantle Akises evoked low breezes among the foliage, and I abandoned myself wholly to thy love, delighting in the pleasure of my weakness. Alas, alas, why didst thou depart to run upon the mountains? A boar did wound thee at the time of the autumnal equinox. Thou art dead, and the fountains weep, the trees bend down, the wind of winter whistles through the naked brushwood my eyes are about to close seeing that darkness covers them now thou dwellest in the underworld near the mightiest of my rivals o persephone all that is beautiful descends to thee never to return even while she speaks her companions lift the dead to place him within the sepulchre he remains in their hands it was only a waxen corpse wherefore antony feels something resembling relief all vanish and the hut the rocks and the cross reappear End of chapter nine